Hello and welcome to the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Royce, and on each episode, I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, we are going to explore a trio of real-life ghost stories. Three terrifying real-life ghost stories, or rather, I should say, three accounts of paranormal activity that were recorded at the time as being genuine. I will simply narrate the stories to you as I discovered them, and I will leave it to you, dear listener, to decide for yourself whether or not you think the events in any of these stories or all of these stories really did happen. And I should warn you that if you are listening to this podcast late at night and you do choose to believe that the events that happened are genuine, then you might find it a little bit tricky to fall asleep this evening. And so, to begin at the beginning. And we are going to start with a tale with a wonderfully long descriptive title. So wonderfully long and descriptive, it should probably come with a spoiler warning. This is one of those tales from back in the days when you didn't really need to read the story because the title alone told you everything you could possibly need to know. But our first ghost story, our first real life ghost story is called a ghost haunting a young lover who was out late at night near Ast Wallace in Carmarthenshire. And this tale concerns a ghost haunting a young lover who was out late at night near Ast Wallace in Carmarthenshire. And this tale comes to us courtesy of an old man named Griffiths, Mr. Griffiths, who lived at Wenast Farm near Carmarthen. And he was 96 years old when he recounted this tale. And that was more than a century ago now. And it concerns his father, who was also unsurprisingly called Griffiths, William Griffiths, when he was a young boy. So the events took place in Carmarthenshire roughly two centuries ago, when this William Griffiths, this father of the boy telling the tale, was a young man himself. And he was engaged as a servant at a farm in the parish of Llan Pimpsaint, which is one of those wonderful Welsh language names that means the Church of the Five Saints. Llan and Pimp and Saint, Llan Pimpsaint. And one night, William had been out late to see the young woman of his affection. Because, as regular listeners will know, all the best ghost stories involve young people sneaking off together in the night to do things the old people would rather they didn't do. And if you're wondering exactly what young William and his lady friend got up to that night, well, maybe not exactly. This is an all-ages podcast. But to quote, having enjoyed the pleasure of love for some hours, he returned home about three o'clock in the morning. So having had a good time, he was heading home at three o'clock in the morning, but it wasn't a straightforward walk home. He didn't just live in the next street or the next block along. This was roughly two centuries ago, and sneaking off to enjoy the pleasures of love required a level of commitment that I would say is lacking in today's society, because afterwards he had some miles to walk. He had to walk for miles. In the darkness, there was no electric street lighting, of course, and he had to go through a lonely district. 
So it was dark, it was late, it was lonely, and it was one heck of a long walk. And worse than that, we are told, worse than that, he had to pass the haunted red gate of Glyn Ather. And what, I hear you ask, is the haunted gate of Glyn Ather? Well, in former times, it was a place, we are told, famous for its ghosts, which, frankly, is the last place you want to be walking past on a lonely, dark night at three o'clock in the morning. And I imagine at about this point in the story, anyone who has ever read a ghost story before has a pretty good idea of what's coming next. I imagine most people listening are one step ahead of me right now. It's so obvious nursery school children would be one step ahead of me right now. Not that I'd recommend playing this podcast to nursery age children. And if you have a cat or a dog nearby, I am sure even the cat and dog know what to expect next. And if you do have a cat or a dog nearby, give them a pet from me, and it might be a good idea to hold them tight in anticipation of the big reveal. Because William Griffiths had to walk past the haunted gate of Glen Ather, that in former times was famous for its ghosts, and on he walked as fast as he could, but to his great terror. When he came to the Red Gate, the ghost appeared in the shape of a big man. So I don't know what ghost you expected there. Maybe your typical floating white lady. There's plenty of those in Wales. But in this case, we get the shape of a big man. And William did the sensible thing to do in such situations. He ran. He had no choice but to keep going in that direction. He had to go past the gate and the big man. But he did so at one heck of a speed. He ran and he ran and he ran. But sadly for young Griffiths, so did the ghost. The ghost was not content with simply scaring him away from his haunt. He was not grounded to that one place, to that red gate. The ghost gave chase. The ghost followed him. It followed him all the way back to the village of Llan and as a result, the young man was terrified almost to death, which is hardly surprising. And while it doesn't specify how exactly this young man knew the ghost was following him, I am assuming maybe he took a peek over his shoulder every now and then in between panted breaths. Maybe he could hear the ghost. Maybe this big man was making some big noises as he chased him down. But he was fully aware of what was happening of what was approaching. Now, luckily, there was somebody up and awake in Llan Pimsaint at such an ungodly hour. And this is somebody with a profession who pops up in stories like this quite often, although they usually involve the devil. It's usually the devil as opposed to your standard spirit who bumps into people of this profession late in the night or early in the morning, I guess you could say. And that is is the blacksmith. And I've, I've never really thought about it before. I'm thinking aloud right now as I'm recording this podcast, but I don't know if blacksmiths work very late into the night or they start very early in the morning. Maybe they, they just don't sleep at all. Maybe they're nocturnal and they keep going all night and all morning. Maybe if there are any 
traditional blacksmiths listening, you can let me know what your hours of work are, and that might help frame this folklore and these ghost stories a little bit better. But whatever their hours of work may be, there is one thing we can say for certain about the blacksmiths of old. They were the heroes. They were the ones who turned up to save the day, or didn't necessarily turn up, but certainly got involved in some shape or form and saved the day. And that would appear to be the case in this story. And this hard-working blacksmith is called David Lloyd. And David Lloyd is up and about, working very late or very early in the night or the morning, when William Griffiths breathlessly dashed into the house or the forge or, or the shop, whatever it might have been. He entered the blacksmith's shop and fell down near the fire, half fainting, and they had to take him home to the farmhouse in a cart. And that is where this particular affair ends for now. William was in a bad way, a very bad way. But obviously, William survived the ordeal because he had a son. And it is thanks to that son that we have this story today. And maybe that was his mother that his father was sneaking off to see that night. Or maybe not. It's none of my business, really. But if we stick to the ghost stories as opposed to the love stories, it was around the same time these events were taking place. Well, maybe maybe slightly earlier. But in the year 1775, we do have an exact year for this next account, which does help us place it a bit better. But it was in the year of our Lord 1775, a Mr. Reese, which is a fantastic surname, if I do say so myself. Mr. Reese, who is a lineal descendant of Reese the, and that's the spelt double D or the U, Reese the of Kidwelly Castle, with Reese the meaning Black Reese. Also a great name. It sounds like a pirate name, like Bertie the, like Black Bart, the famous Welsh pirate. But this Reese, Reese the, was not a pirate, at least to the best of my knowledge, he was not a pirate. In fact, he was one of Owain Glyndwr's most trusted commanders. With Owain Glyndwr, if you don't know, a very quick history lesson, but Owain Glyndwr was the last native-born Welshman to hold the title of Prince of Wales. He spent 15 years fighting against the English in the Middle Ages and later had his name massacred by William Shakespeare. But for the purposes of this episode, we are concerned with the Rees family, with Rees the, who was one of Owain Glyndwr's trusted men, and his descendant, the Mr. Rees of this story in 1775, did not fight to repel the English, but he did have quite a high-profile job. He was the local magistrate. And I don't know if Rees the would have been proud of this or not. One of them fought to repel the English and had their head chopped off and placed on a spike outside London Bridge. The other was a magistrate. But this magistrate was returning one evening from quarter sessions and he was startled by seeing a white figure flit which is a great word I don't use often enough, but flit rapidly across the bridge and disappear over into the water. So he's making his way back to Kidwelly. He sees a white figure flit rapidly across the bridge and his horse starts trembling and refuses to go on. Now, Mr. Reese was a superstitious sort, or maybe he was 
no more or no less superstitious than anyone else in Kidwelly at the end of the 18th century. But he took this strange white form, he assumed whatever this supernatural being might have been to be some kind of omen, some kind of prediction, as it's called, that something bad was going to happen. So bad, in fact, that he was convinced there was going to be a death. Now, I've spoken about death omens many, many times on this podcast over the years, and these are signs that you see, supernatural signs that indicate that death for somebody or something is imminent. And some of the more common ones we've spoken about over the years include corpse candles, these floating lights that flicker in the forests at night, or phantom funerals, which as the name suggests, are funerals made up of phantoms. But I don't think I've spoken of a death omen that appeared as a white figure flitting across a bridge before. Although, don't quote me on that, I have no idea what I spoke about on the last episode, never mind last year or five years ago. And if you do binge every episode, maybe at some point I did mention such a death omen. But I don't recall talking about such a figure. But in this case, Mr. Reese certainly believed he had seen such a figure, and that is how he interpreted it. And he continued riding towards Kidwelly and noticed a large crowd and heard that a shocking murder had been committed upon a poor old woman. So maybe this really was an omen. Maybe Mr. Reese was correct in his hunch. Somebody had died quite horribly, and he entered the cottage and discovered a small portion of a man's coat sleeve lying upon the bed. He had discovered a piece of evidence left at the scene. This was late 18th century detective work in action here. Mr. Reese was the Columbo of the 1700s, and by further inquiry, and by inquiry, he asked some of the locals for more information. Maybe he said just one more thing. But he asked them for more details, and he found that it belonged to a man called Will Manag. Now, it doesn't elaborate here who Will Manag is, but I am assuming it is a name that was familiar to the magistrate, because Will was arrested. And to make things nice and easy, and to save me from dragging out this ghost story any longer than I need to, he confessed then and there on the spot to committing the crime, to committing the murder. He held up his hands and said, fair cop, it was me, which also made sentencing him nice and easy too. And he was hanged on Pembray Mountain. And if your skills in mathematics are as good as mine, you might have noticed that not only did that death omen prophecy come true, it was now doubly correct. If, if that's grammatically correct, I don't know, I don't care. I like it. It was doubly correct. So this death omen was not the death omen of one person, it was now the death omen of two people. And there's more, because to strengthen this prediction, we are told, Mr. Reese was informed that day of the death of his brother, who had drowned at sea with the Royal Navy. He was, or this death omen, was triply correct. And they do say these things come in threes, and if this was the end of the tale, then you could say, yes, indeed, they came in threes, but... 
Can you believe it? There is more. Because that wasn't enough horrific news for one day. He was also told of his wife's mother's death, Lady Mansell of East Coyd, who was burnt to death at Kid Welly. Yes, burnt to death at Kid Welly. And at this point, the account ends. This ghost story comes to an abrupt end. And I'm sure you have lots of questions like, why was his mother-in-law burnt to death? Which, in fairness, is quite a big question. But for the purposes of our ghost story, for this episode, for this death omen, he was now quadruply correct. And you might be thinking at this point, what the heck has this man done to cause all these deaths? Mr. Reese could be forgiven for thinking, is every single person I come into contact with, not even come into contact with, even just passing acquaintances, are dropping like flies. What the heck is going on? Well, for our purposes, that account ends here. But we still have time for one more short and sweet ghost story to wrap up this episode. I did say it would be a trio of ghost stories, and maybe this might shine a little light on what we have heard, or maybe it will just confuse things even further. Either way, it's another story with a nice descriptive title. This tale is called Haunted Mansions of Llanelli Carmarthenshire, and it concerns Haunted Mansions of Llanelli Carmarthenshire. And we are told that the ghost of Lady Mansell, and if you are paying close attention to the last story, the mother-in-law burnt in Kidwelly was called Lady Mansell, who may or may not be the ghost of Lady Mansell who walked and haunted Old Straddy House, which was a grand mansion that was replaced in the Victorian age by what is now Straddy Castle in Llanelli. But it had been the house of the Lewis family. The Lewis family, and I did joke earlier in this episode that Reese is a great surname. Well, another strand of my DNA, as it were, can also be traced back to the Lewises. Who knows? Possibly even this family. Maybe there is some ancestral connection, and maybe that is why I've been drawn, spookily drawn, to these particular collection of stories for this episode. But not only is Old Straddy House supposedly being haunted by a Lady Mansell, but I did mention the title of this tale is not Haunted Mansion of Llanelli, but Haunted Mansions. And we are also told of an old man who claimed that when he was a boy, he slept in Stepney Mansion. But as he ascended to his room, he heard the rustling of a lady's dress in an apparently empty corridor. And it wasn't just her rustling clothes that he heard, because this lady during the night played upon an organ. We are told she played upon an organ, built up in one of the thick walls. And finally, our final haunted mansion of Llanetli's haunted mansions, and our final haunting of this episode is Llanetli House, where we are told, or were told, it is certain that spirits may be found there even now. And while this was written again some century or so ago, Llanetli House, this wonderful 18th century Georgian townhouse, is open 
to the public today. And 100 years or so ago, they certainly believed the place was haunted. And in more recent times, if memory serves, there have been commercial ghost hunts and ghost tours taking place there. Again, don't quote me on this, but I am 99.9% certain they were taking place last Halloween. I imagine, I hope, they will pop up again this Halloween. But as I've always said in these cases, you don't always need the organised events to enjoy and experience these historical places. You can just go there in the daytime, go there on your own, or, or take friends if you have some. You don't, you don't have to be antisocial like me, but you can go there in the daytime with or without friends. Have a cup of coffee, a slice of cake, and soak up the atmosphere. And whether or not you choose to believe the stories on this episode, whether or not you choose to believe in ghosts full stop, I think no matter where you are in the world, where you choose to visit, I appreciate not everyone is lucky enough to live within driving distance of Llanelli, but wherever you are, if you go to some historical location and you sit down knowing that 100 years earlier, a century before you, Somebody else was sitting in that spot. As far as they were concerned, that building was home to a soul that had long been separated from their physical body. I think that makes the atmosphere that little bit extra special. And even if it doesn't, at least you get a nice cup of coffee and a slice of cake out of the whole experience. And on that caffeine-tastic note, I do love my coffee. I do love my cake as well, but I do love my coffee. And this episode has been powered by coffee. It's been powered by caffeine. So ends another episode of the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't already, please consider pressing the subscribe button. And if you really enjoyed it, you can support the podcast by treating me to a coffee of all things. But you can buy me a coffee via my website, which helps to keep this podcast going. Or you can just leave a nice review or rating. If you'd like more Ghosts and Folklore, you can follow me on social media. And as well as this podcast, I've also written many, many books about similar weird and wonderful subjects, which are available from all good bookshops offline and on. And you can find a full list of those books on my website. And on that note, it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening. Dioch and Varian Amrando. I've been Mark Reese. This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast beaming to you from Wales to the world. And remember, if you do notice what appears to be some strange white form flitting about on a bridge as you make your way home, and it gives you a sudden feeling of dread, it makes you think that maybe, just maybe, this might be an omen. Well, based on what we've heard on this episode. To be on the safe side, it's probably best to send out a mass group message to every person in your contact list, all your friends, all your family, and anyone else's number you might have, because there could be a double or a triple, a quadruple, maybe even a quintuple tragedy on the way. But only, of course, if you, dear listener, choose to believe these stories are real. Until next time, 
Nostar. Thank you.